Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Double FM Sports. I'm Ethan Fager. And I'm Jared Mizorak. And today we are joined by Mechanicsburg boys basketball coach, Coach Strickler. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. All right. So we're going to get right into the interview. First question here. When did you first start coaching? Uh, I had to actually think about this. Uh, 23 years, I think I've been there. 1998 was my first year. And uh, interesting story. I went back to my high school coach and he said, you know, we don't really have anything for you. And I think he thought I wanted paid, which I didn't. But he said, I don't have a spot for you. And he goes, I have a ninth grade coach. It's a young guy that uh, might take you on as a volunteer assistant. Guy's name was Steve Loudenslager. So I actually, Loudy was the ninth grade coach in 1998. And I coached with him as a volunteer coach, assistant ninth grade coach for two years. That's how I started. All right. I didn't know that. Yeah. So what do you love about being a basketball coach? Uh, you know, I, I mean, first of all, I love the game of basketball. It's my, by far my favorite sport. Now that, you know, I'm teaching and, you know, it's just a, a different environment that I get to work with kids. Um, but I, I think what I really like about basketball is the team aspect of things. You know, I, I've often said, you know, somebody says, I mean, I was a better baseball player as an athlete growing up and I'm probably built more like a football coach, but basketball is my favorite sport. And I've always said that, you know, I've explained it. You can have, there's 10 guys and you have the five best and I have number six through 10, but I really believe that if I can get six through 10 to play together, we can beat one through five where, you know, I don't know that baseball, baseball, you either have that stud pitcher or you don't football, you either have, you know, superior athletes or, you know, as I think we learned in the Super Bowl, you have a good line, you know, I mean, where basketball, I mean, just because I'm six through 10, if we play together and play well, I think you can beat five guys that are actually better than you where, you know, I, I think the athletics, I think it's just more team oriented and playing, it's a more about playing together. And that's the challenge of trying to get teams to play that way. Over the past, you know, couple months that we've been interviewing, we've been interviewing the athletes and asking how COVID affects them. From a coach's perspective, how has COVID affected, you know, your daily routine when it comes to coaching? Everything's been influenced. Um, you know, I think the first thing I would say is I'm thankful that, you know, we're having a season. I, I think that that was a major concern. I mean, never in my wildest dreams on March 13th of 2020 did I, I mean, I thought it was two weeks to stop the spread and I thought we'd be back in school and this would be all behind us and we're almost a year removed and, you know, we're certainly in a much different place than we were. But, you know, I think obviously the most visible thing is the masks. You know, our kids have to wear the masks. Um, you know, coaches have to wear masks and the face coverings. And I mean, that's difficult because, I mean, I can't even, I mean, I'm not trying to run around and breathe through a mask. So that's hard for the, for the student athletes to deal with. And, you know, it's a constant, I mean, I, we played last night and I must've said 20 times during the game, you know, I just point to my nose cause their nose is exposed. I'm like, that's my cue to get your mask up. Um, you know, then I, I think the biggest thing from a coaching standpoint is, you know, we didn't start in the beginning of December. We got started, you know, they pushed the start of the season back. I think we were originally supposed to start like December 18th and, you know, then the PIAA and MidPen decided that we were shutting down till January 4th. And, you know, we would start playing games. I guess you were eligible to start whatever that Friday was, the 8th, I guess. 
So, you know, it's created a lot like this week. We play Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We've had a lot of three game weeks. And, you know, I worry about playing three games with, you know, high school athletes. I mean, most colleges might play two games a week. Every once in a blue moon, they'll play three. But like we're consistently playing three games in a week. And I think that's a lot of wear and tear on them. And then the last thing that I would say is just all the different, you know, I mean, the screening questions that I asked before they come in the gym. Last night, I had to sign a paper that, you know, all the people that traveled with me on the school bus had passed the screening questions and, you know, just a, a bunch of liability stuff that the school districts have to worry about, you know, and just the general safety protocols, you know, wiping down balls. And, you know, if you were in locker rooms, we're wiping down handles and just stuff like that, that normally we don't deal with. So before I guess starting your coaching career, what college did you attend? Oh man, way back in the day, I was a Juniata College. When I first went there, they had just switched to the Eagles. They were the Indians and they switched to the Eagles. But I started there, I went there in the fall of 94 and I actually went there as a baseball and basketball player. Um, I was a pretty good baseball player in my day and I loved basketball and Juniata was the only place that showed any interest in me as a basketball player. And I ended up there because I, I was pretty confident I could play baseball at that level. Um, but I knew that was the only spot that I had opportunity. So my freshman year, I actually played basketball and baseball at Juniata. And then I went there my first two years. Uh, I think that reality hit me and I realized that Bob Strickler was not going to be a major league pitcher. And I started looking at finances and school and actually thinking about what I might want to do. And I was a business major and I did the math and I could go two years at Shippensburg for the price of one at Juniata. So I transferred. I did play baseball one year at Shippensburg and um, I just it, it was best for Bob Strickler to be a student and graduate and move on with life. So I graduated from Ship, but I started at Juniata and I loved it. All right. So, you know, you mentioned that you started off as a volunteer ninth grade coach. What what was the coaching path from there to head coach now? Uh, well, I, I think in my mind, I always knew that I would be a coach in some capacity. I, I knew that my ultimately my playing days would end. And, you know, I, I'm such a jock and a sports enthusiast that I needed to find a way to stay involved. And I think, you know, you talk to some of my friends and colleagues, you know, they would tell you that I was a coach when I played and, you know, I wasn't the greatest athlete in the world. I mean, I was average, but where I made up for my lack of athleticism was my mind. And, you know, I studied the game, you know, I thought about, you know, positioning and, you know, if I was guarding a guy faster than me, I knew I had to give him a step and I had to read plays before they happened. Cause if I waited till, it was reaction time and they happened. I wasn't athletic enough to make up for that. So I think I've always kind of studied the different sports that I've been involved with. And, you know, I, that's where I got my start. And then, you know, I was in college and my playing days were over and I reached out to my high school coach who was still here and you know, said, Hey, I'd be interested in getting involved. And 23 late, 23 years later, I'm talking to you guys. Yeah. So as the head coach, um, who's your favorite team or rival you guys play against every year? Uh, you know, I, I looked at this. I, that's a hard one for me. Um, you know, I mean, right now I would tell you Cedarcliff because they're the next one on our schedule. And I'm so trying not to give you cliche here. But, you know, I mean, they're leading our league. You know, I, I look forward to playing the top teams. And I, I think I really concentrate on, you know, if they're like Cedarcliff beat us the first time. 
I'm excited to play them tomorrow night because I, they beat us. I want to see, have we gotten better? Yep. Right. I, I don't think we played real well down there. I think they had a lot to do with that. Um, again, we were on the road that makes, uh, even in high school, I think that makes a huge difference, but I'm excited to see, okay, they got us the first time we got them, you know, a couple weeks later, have we gotten any better? So I, I really look forward to this week. We have two teams. We have Cedar Cliff and Hershey that both beat us at their place the first time. So I think it's a great measuring stick for us. But I think the the ones that excite me the most are the ones that maybe we're not supposed to win. The teams that are you know above us in the division or are the preseason favorite. You know, I mean, that's a, I think that's a good measuring stick of how good you are. And you know, and I look forward to those games the most. Probably the ones that would be deemed more challenging. Over the years, you know, you've had a lot of games, a lot of memories with the kids that you've coached. Is there any moment that you would consider your favorite? Ooh, I mean, being around so long, I have far too many to name in this short interview, but I think the one that sticks out the most, I'll give you two. The first one was about four years ago, we played in the district final. Um, you know, I mean, we had a good group of kids. We weren't very deep. And I don't think anybody in the preseason thought that Mechanicsburg would play in the district final. And our kids just, we, we hit our stride at the right time of year. We, we were successful and we were a high seed. So we played the first couple rounds at home because that's what the district had gone to. And, you know, we got a good semifinal win that year against Milton Hershey in the Giant Center. And, you know, I think that for local high school sports is sort of like the palace, right? That's where you aspire to play. And then we, you know, we played a great game against Milton Hershey and we played the district final and we lost that one. But another one that people probably wouldn't remember much about was, I don't know, it was probably about my fourth year of coaching. Uh, actually, my current JV coach was a senior on, the, on this team, Greg Bretz. I think that was class of 08. Um, we actually, we got beat in the second round of districts, but back then they had like pick their consolation. So you played back. And we played back and we qualified for states and we won our first round state playoff game up at, uh, it was Tyrone middle school. We played state college and we beat them. And our second round matchup was against Norristown. And we played at what most people in Pennsylvania would consider the greatest place to play the guide, one of the most legendary places to play in Reading. And the games that night were Harrisburg or uh, Mechanicsburg versus Norristown at six o'clock and at seven thirty or eight o'clock, whatever the time was, was Harrisburg Chester. So I think when you think about Harrisburg and Chester and their deep basketball tradition and Norristown also had that. Um, I think if you said, pick the team that doesn't belong, it would have been Mechanicsburg and man, you should have seen our kids compete that night. I mean, they had a kid that ended up playing four years at Temple named Khalif Wyatt and he's not the one that hurt us. I mean, he had like 12 points. I mean, he was good, but they had a kid that, it was like eighth on my scouting report that was seven of seven from the floor that night. Um, we were in the game. We actually had the lead in the second half and we had foul trouble and we set our best player out to start the fourth quarter. And he came back with about, I put him, ran him back. We was getting away from us. So with like six and a half to go, I put him back in. And with five and a half, he was sitting next to me with five fouls. He was out of the game. And we really struggled to score it after that. And the score was so not indicative of the game. They ended up beating us by like 15 or 16, but it was a neat, it was a neat atmosphere to play in. Yeah, I bet. So what are some of your favorite drills to run at practice? Uh, 
Well, I, I mean, I tried to think about this one. I, I mean, shooting drills. I mean, I've tried to incorporate a lot more shooting into our practices. I think I get so regimented on the X's and the O's and like our man defense and our man offenses and our sets and stuff. So we've tried to incorporate more shooting and two shooting drills that stick out. Like we do one that's about five minutes and it's just continuous flowing at both ends of the court. We call it pit shooting. They got to get a hundred makes in five minutes. Uh, another one we do is Maryland shooting where it's at one basket and, you know, it's a pass to the corner and then the passer goes to the top of the key and gets a pass from another line, but just trying to keep kids moving, get a lot of repetition, a lot of shots. Um, as a coach near and dear to my heart is we work a lot of defensive segments and the kids like when I add the word convert to the end. So like tonight at practice, we'll do a 10 minute defensive segment where we are working our man uh, defense and if we get a, a rebound or a turnover, then I let them convert to the other end. Transit. We try. We've tried to pick up our pace a little bit this year, and you know I try to let them practice that. You know, so if we get a turnover or we get a one-shot stop, you know, where we they shoot it, we get the rebound. Don't give up an offensive rebound. We're trying to get to the other end and get a quality look. So you know that's one. And then I'll give you one more that I actually haven't done this year. The kids don't like this, but I think it's neat. We call it baseball. So we're, I'm coaching basketball, but we call it baseball. So you have two teams, you have an offense. If they score, they get a, a run, they get a point. If they hit a three, they get two points. So in baseball, you need to make outs, right, as the defensive team. So if you're the defensive team and you get a one-shot stop, that's an out. But then you get to convert at the other end. If you get a, like a rebound and you go get a layup, it's a double play. So it's an out for getting a stop and an out for scoring in transition. If you get a stop and then hit a three in transition, we call that a triple play. So you get the out for getting the stop and then you get two for hitting a three in transition. And it forces the other team, okay, we didn't score, but we got to get back. And, you know, we might play an inning of, okay, like we run three main offenses. You know, we might play an inning of motion. We might play an, an inning of what we call X. And then we might play an inning of what we call double low which are our three primary offenses and, you know, both, both teams get the ball, you know, so I, I think that's a good way to give them a, a different look at, rather than just, you know, playing to a number or a time or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, doing it for 20 plus years, what has kept you going? What is your driving motivation to continue? Oh, coaching? that one's easy. The kids, you know, I mean, I, I think it's, you know, it's the relationships that you, that you, that you form with the kids, you know, I mean, it's really been neat this year to see, I mean, I've been with this group for a while. We have everybody back from last year and, you know, just to see them grow, not only as players, but certainly as people. Um, I think that's what keeps me going, you know, and the other thing that's neat is every year I get a year older, but my kids stay the same age, you know, yes, there's turnover, it's different kids, but a senior's always what, 17, 18 years old, a freshman's always 14, 15. And, you know, it keeps me young at heart. And it's definitely about the kids. And, you know, see, it's really neat right now, because we're playing well, and this group hasn't always seen the most success over the last couple of years. And to see their confidence and their belief in themselves and their teammates has been, it's really kept me young at heart and kept me going. And it's neat to see. So recently you um, hit 200 career wins. Describe maybe some of the emotions that came with that. Just means I've been doing it a long time. <laughs> I've been fortunate, um, you know, that the school has supported me, the administration. I think the biggest thing that I can say, and I just said it, is, the, you know, I, it's 
yeah, we're judged by wins and losses, some, you know, in that high school setting, but it's so much more about those kids and the relationship. So the example that I would use was I've been, this is my 17th year as the head coach and we won, I think we beat Redland and I get done addressing my team. We have a little coach's office off of where I address the team and my phone and my computer and my bag and all my materials are in there. And I go in and touch my phone expecting a text message from my wife and I had a message, I had numerous text messages, but I had five that stuck out to me. And it was the five starters from my first year, 2005. Every single one of those kids was aware of what was going on in Mechanicsburg, staying connected to the program. And, you know, then obviously as the night wore on and then the next couple of days I heard from count, I mean, too many to count kids that had played for me that had seen it on Twitter or whatever. And, you know, to me, that means I'm doing the right things. I mean, you know, I've been to some of these guys have had weddings and I'm fortunate enough to get involved. And it means that I was more than coach to them. You know, I mean, there was a relationship of, you know, I meant something to them and the program meant something to them. And I think that's what I take the most pride in the fact that it's not, you're not just a body to me, you're a person. And that's what I've tried to really make my coaching belief truthfully. I mean, that's, that's, um, first off, that's an amazing, you know, career accomplishment, but now that you've got that, what's next? What are the goals for you? What, what are you looking forward to? You know, I, I, I don't honestly know. I mean, I'm trying to get through this year. I'm trying to get these kids in the playoffs. These kids are going to get themselves in the playoffs. So I don't mean to say I, 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 but you know, I, I want my, seniors to experience a district playoff game. These guys haven't had the opportunity to do that. And, you know, at the end of the year, I, I take a step back, get away from it a little bit. As you guys probably know, I help with the baseball team, which is awesome because I'm not the head coach. I'm not in charge. I just get to be with the kids and hit fungos and ground balls and chew sunflower seeds. And I'm not stressing about lineup or anything like that. And I think that just sort of recharges my batteries because then, you know, we got to start getting into, you know, the spring off season and then summer's right around the corner. And, you know, I mean, I, I'm not looking at going 20 more years. I'm not even really thinking about those things. You know, I mean, we'll have, when our season concludes, we'll have our postseason evals um, with the kids that are coming back. So we have, you know, some juniors that are, are contributing significantly this year. And then obviously our JV team's doing pretty well. They're like eight and three or something like that. And, you know, we'll talk to those guys and we'll start thinking about next year's team. And, you know, I mean, I, if you really wanted a number, I, I mean, I got, I got about 15 years of teaching left. I don't know if I have 15 years of coaching left in the tank, but, um, you know, certainly, I mean, that keeps me young, that keeps me going. And, I think the biggest thing that scares me is I'm afraid I'll miss it. You know, I mean, I don't miss the stress and some of the negative things that go with coaching, but, you know, I, I try to hang my hat on, you know, the relationships with the kids. Like I, I would have trouble sitting down with my juniors and telling them, Hey, I'm not coming back. So, you know, and then I'll get attached to sophomores will next year be juniors and I'll be attached to them. And I'm just, you know, so I, I could see myself being in it for a while. I, I could see myself saying, you know what, I don't have the motivation or, you know, when I don't feel like I can do the best job, then I will, I will um, let somebody younger take my spot. All right. 
So outside of coaching, do you have any other hobbies that you like to do just for fun? Uh, well, you know, I mean, I have two kids, so I'm chasing their sports around. But um, certainly, if it's my time, I love to golf. Um, that's probably my biggest hobby, I guess. You know, I mean, this this year, I mean, as much as it was bad for us to not have spring, summer, fall basketball, we were, you know, pandemic, but they did open the golf courses. I played more golf this year than I probably have in the past five years combined. So I do enjoy that, and I used to be able to play a little bit. But... All right. Golf definitely was a, a good outing for during the pandemic. Me and Ethan actually played nine holes together at one point, so we definitely but feel you there. Even that was different, you know? I mean, never have I played with, a like, a pool noodle in the cup. Like, I'm one of the – they changed the rules in golf, and you can let the flag in. Yeah. If you know me, I'm a, I hate that. Like, I'm <laughs> on the green, I'm pulling the flag. Right, yeah. well, you couldn't do that because they didn't want you touching the flag stick. So you know you're hitting a putt and the ball falls in the hole, you know, enough that it drops down in the hole, but it wasn't falling all the way in. That you know, trying to limit the touches and I mean, even that was different. But it was crazy. But yeah, I did play a lot of golf. It was fun. What does your before the game look like? Like, is there anything that you are always doing before the game? Any you know, talking to your players? Any of that? You mean immediately, like the day of the game, like like last night yeah. we traveled, we got off the bus. What what does that look like? Yeah, like right right when, like right before the game. What are you doing to prepare? I actually I, last night we were outside the locker. The officials' locker room was right beside ours, so I was actually standing out in the hall waiting for the JV game. And I actually made the comment: if I could just get rid of this part right here, I think I could coach a lot longer than I than I otherwise might make it. I mean, I still get butterflies. I get nervous. Um, you know, I mean, I'm a competitor. I want to win. I want our kids to find success. And, um, and I think I realize that it's really out of my control. You know, it's up to my players to go and execute our game plan and put the ball in the basket and prevent the other team from doing that. So like it's antsy, but you know, I mean, traditionally we go in at the end of the, the kids go in at, they normally come in after halftime, certainly the end of the third quarter. I have a scouting report written on the board. You know, I have met, we match them up. I watch a lot of film. We go through some of, I mean, I try to give them a handful of the quick hitters that they're going to, you know, probably run at us. And, um, you know, I think some of the kids really respond to that. Like, you know, like Micah is, that helps him tremendously because he's normally guarding the toughest player and he's really into that. Where other guys just sort of play by reaction. And I don't know that that really means as much to them, but I mean, we, we really hang our hat on trying to be as prepared as possible. And, you know, we do take some time and go over the scouting report and then try to, you know, like last night it was, you know, it, that was a big game for us in many senses because, you know, we're fighting to get in the district playoffs. And, you know, that was quad A points last night and a, a successful team. I mean, they were like six and four going into last night and we had to play away. So just one last motivational thing and send them out on the floor and hope they play well. So do you follow, I guess, any professional sports like you pay attention to the NBA NFL any of those I'll say this but I call the NBA I call it no basketball allowed <laughs> I, I do not watch the NBA um, amazingly enough I don't watch a lot of college basketball because it's the gut of our season so my time at home 
you know, like last night we got home at 1030. I watched our game because I do stats and then I like we play Cedar Cliff and I have to be prepared for practice. So, you know, I went back through now Cedar Cliff's hard because they have not played since like they've been on a two week quarantine. So I've had to go back two weeks to see them play. And actually the game that I watched the most was the butt kicking that they gave us, you know, in early January. So, um, you know, to spend that time, I don't watch a ton of basketball as amazing as you, as that might sound, but I'm a St. Louis Cardinal baseball fan. Uh, when I was a kid, they had Vince Coleman, Willie McGee, Jack Clark, and I, they were in the world series. They lost to the Royals, but I've been a Cardinal fan ever since. And, I follow the Oakland, I'm sorry, it's not the Oakland Raiders, it's the Las Vegas Raiders. Um, it's been some trying times. I was a, I initiated my Raider loyalty when John Gruden was there and then he bailed and went to Tampa and I should have switched to the Bucks, but I stayed with the Raiders and now he's back and I'm excited about that and would love to get out there to see a game in that new stadium. It looks phenomenal, but I don't really, I'm a Duke basketball fan. Uh, I know that doesn't go well around these parts most people around here are Carolina fans in fact my whole household is Carolina fans so Carolina this week wasn't a good week for me yeah me neither I'm actually a Duke basketball fan too so not not love, love coach K yeah did you what you watch the Super Bowl this past Sunday absolutely who were you cheering for I would I mean my father-in-law is a chief fan so I was kind of thinking about them but I'm so enamored with what Tom Brady's doing. I mean, maybe I relate because I'm 45 and he's 43 and he's still playing quarterback in, in the NFL. I mean, I just think that's super impressive. And I mean, I told, I teach a sports marketing class, JR, you were in that class and we were talking about that. And, you know, I, I've been fortunate enough to grow up in a great era. I'm like, I saw Jordan, who in my opinion is the greatest, but if you want to say LeBron or Kobe were the greatest, I saw them play too. You know, hockey, I saw Wayne Gretzky, who I think is arguably the greatest. Tiger Woods in golf. Some people would say Jack Nicklaus. I get it. But, you know, like, uh, my era of sports has been phenomenal. And, I mean, seven Super Bowls, seriously. I mean, I just – it was hard not to root for him. Um, you know, I think that's – you either love him or you hate him. And I don't hate him. Um, I think what he did was quite impressive this year. And, you know, really put a feather in his cap because – was it Belichick or was it Brady? And I think there's a little more evidence that it might have been more Brady. I don't know. All right. So what what advice would you give to, you know, maybe that ninth grade volunteer assistant coach that's right now that might not know it, but could end up as a head coach like you were able to? What, what advice would you give them? Listen and learn. You know, I mean, I, when I was a volunteer ninth grade coach, I, I was as in tune as the kids were to what Loudy was saying. You know, um, I think, you know, there's so many opportunities out there to be around the game, whether that's, you know, getting involved AAU, getting involved with a high school team, you know, even if it's holding a clipboard, there's so much to be learned, you know, as far as X's and O's and just how, you know, preparation and how you treat, you know, how you get along with players, how you motivate players. I think I learned, I learned a ton from Mr. Loudenslager and, you know, he was a young guy too. I mean, he's only a couple years older than me. And, you know, then I really grew up. I mean, I came up after that, I became the head eighth grade coach and then I was the head ninth grade coach. And then Loudy had gotten a job at East Penn and I became the varsity assistant. And, and the guy that was here before us, his name was Chris Slode. And, 
X's and O wise, man, he was, there wasn't anybody better. I mean, and just, I learned the preparation piece. So, I mean, everything that I do, I haven't, like, I've learned it, you know, just be around and wait your turn. I mean, if that's what you want to say, you know, I mean, don't, don't be in a hurry to get to the top, you know, if, if varsity basketball is the top, um, because I never in a million years, I didn't get into it to be the head varsity basketball coach at McCancher. I just, I got into it because I wanted to give back to the program that I played in and it was so good to me. I mean, I have some of my greatest memories from high school playing basketball and that's ultimately why I wanted to give back to the kids that were wearing the same uniform that I wore and things happen and people quit and moved on and lo and behold, I'm I mean, I'll never forget Dr. Lighty, who was then his printer. I mean, they took a chance on me, and I really appreciated the fact that, you know, they had the belief in me that I could do the job. All right. That was originally supposed to be your last question, but I have to ask about this one because just talking to you got me thinking, and it made me remember probably one of my favorite all-time basketball memories, and I want to get your take on this. Three winners ago, um, you had a guard by the name of Caleb Everett, and you guys were up against Bishop McDevitt, and with like 15 seconds left to go, McDevitt went down, scored a layup, and they were up. And Caleb Everett took the ball up to about half court, a little bit beyond half court, and just threw up a prayer. And it banked in off the glass and went in. From somebody that was in the student section that night, I remember my emotions pretty viv vividly. What was it like for you as the head coach? Uh, it, it was probably more, I want to say, 65 70 footer like I, he wasn't a he was like right in front of the McDevitt bench when he threw that and our court's a full 94 feet but you know I remember that was one of the, I mean we weren't winning a ton they were pretty good that year they had actually laid one on us pretty good over at their place and they came to our place and you know our kids just battled you know I mean I was so proud of our kids because it would have been easy to say well these guys are going to kick our butt tonight and we just you know we hung in we hung in and we were close and just like so many games that year we couldn't get over the hump and we actually had the ball to try to I don't remember if it was tie or take the lead and we missed and we had a foul and the kid actually um yeah the kid hit a shot or missed a shot we got another opportunity and then it was tied and Devon Lee who had played at Harrisburg he transferred to Harrisburg. He hit a shot to put them ahead and we had no timeouts. And I'm like, get it and go, get it and go. You know, I was like, I was about as much as you were JR that night. I was a cheerleader because I couldn't call timeout. I couldn't draw something up. And, you know, Caleb had, I mean, he just got it on the run. And, and those kids messed around all year that year, ending practice by throwing up half court shots. You know, that would, they wouldn't work on free throws. They wouldn't work on, you know, shots they'd get in a game. They were having fun and their fun actually turned out to, you know, I won't say that we practiced that. We certainly didn't, but I remember when he hit the shot, it was like disbelief. Like, you know, you, I'm the coach, so I got to keep my composure. Right. So I can't run out on the floor and go bananas like the kids were. Um, but I wanted to, um, I mean, I was trying to be the sportsman and be calm and act like you've been there before, but inside, man, I was just as going as crazy as the kids and the student section was. And, you know, what was neat about that year was, like I said, we didn't win a ton. I think we were like seven and 15, but those kids will always remember that Bishop McDevitt game, certainly. 
Right. I fit, I just had to ask about that because when you started talking about your memories, I was like, you know, that's probably that that buzzer beater one's got to be one of my favorite, and I wanted to see what you thought about that. Yeah, it was. It, it was. I. It still puts a smile on my face when I see a, a rerun of it every once in a while. Like the kids, will, like I still talk to that group. So I'm Caleb's down in Florida. He's at Florida College, and you know he'll text me. And it, very rarely do we have a text conversation that one of us doesn't make a McDevitt bomb reference. Yeah. All right. Well, like I said, that was all we've got for you. So once again, Coach Strickler. Thank you. Thank you so much for, you know, taking some time out of your day. I know you're sitting there in your classroom, so you probably got some stuff. So I really appreciate you taking some time out of your day to, you know, come on the podcast with us. I appreciate your time. I just want to say you guys are awesome. It's inspiring. You know, I remember watching this thing or listening to this thing. I got hooked on it because JR had you in class and, you know, you interviewed, I think Coach Rose was about the first one that I heard. And obviously I have a connection to Brubaker and Tyree, but where you guys have taken this podcast. I mean, I'm honored to like what you have done the last couple of weeks, as far as table professional table tennis players and some of the way famous people that you have interviewed, keep doing what you're doing. You guys are awesome. And it's really, really neat to see. And I appreciate you. Maybe you were stuck for time and you had to fill a spot, but I appreciate you welcoming me on. Yeah, of course. It's definitely, you know, one of our things that I think me and Ethan take pride in is, you know, we like covering all sports, but at all levels, because, you know, uh, you get to see, you know, you get to see the Gabe Browns, the Noah Spences that we've interviewed on TV, you know, highlighting that local high school. I think that's so cool. And, you know, you're able to do that for basketball for us. So we really, you know, like I said, we really appreciate you taking some time. And I appreciate you. And like I said, keep doing a great job, guys. I enjoy listening. Whenever you guys post them to Twitter, that's where I get them. And I, Always take 15, 20 minutes and listen to the podcast. So I appreciate your time too. Thank you. Thank you. All right, Ethan, if you want to hit them with an out, hit them with an outro. Sure. So for WFM Sports, I'm Ethan Fager. And I'm Jared Mizrak. And we're signing off.